Welcome to the Daily Blues Podcast, giving you the best blues content from across all of our 101 ESPN platforms. Definitely want to plug because we want everybody to listen to this that great hockey block we have uh, this week, Friday, this week in hockey with um, Joey Vitale and Alex Ferrario from 6 to 8, and then behind the bench with John Kelly, uh, 8 to 9. That's Friday night, so you have three hours of tremendous uh, hockey talk here on 101 ESPN. J.K., how you doing today? I'm great, Bernie. How are you? Doing well, and um, I guess to no one's surprise, the Blues stood pat yesterday. Do you think that was the right decision? Yeah, I mean, you know, why uh, why make changes when things are, are going well and they basically have the same team as, as last year, um, except for you know, Marco Scandella and Justin Falk. And, you know, except for that little slump there, Bernie, where they won two games in 12, they're playing the type of hockey now that they played last spring, and that's a great sign. So, um, you know, the biggest trade they're going to make, quite honestly, is getting Tarasenko back, and that should happen hopefully in, you know, two to three weeks. I think Doug Armstrong will update that situation later this morning. But, you know, I I mentioned last week on the show – um, you know, maybe they would go after a depth defenseman because they don't have much experience in the minors, um, but they didn't do that. Um, so there's seven deep, not counting the, the young players. So, no, it didn't shock me at all. And if you look at the two teams that are competing against the Blues for the first spot in the Central Division, Dallas and, and uh, the Avalanche, they basically held firm as well. So um, I think the Blues love their team. And uh, we'll see what happens here in the final quarter of the season. That that was one surprise yesterday. And by the way, I'm terrible at recapping trade deadline days in the NHL because there's six million trades, and it's right. <laughs> you can't even make sense of it half the time. Uh, but that was one surprise that Colorado, which uh, seemingly needed goaltending help. And Dallas, which has got a good club, maybe Jim Nill has just decided, hey, we like what we have. But I think people were expecting at least a cup, some fireworks from the Avalanche. In, in addition, they have um, some, some other players hurt. Miko Rantanen um, has been injured, and their second-line center, Nazem Kadri, whom they got from Toronto last year, is out. Yeah, that, that's a team that I think a lot of uh, folks felt might do something. Uh, the guy that you know a lot of people thought they might get is Robin Leonard, the goalie. Um, from Chicago, but he went to Vegas, um, which to me was a bit of a surprising move because the, the Golden Knights have Marc-Andre Fleury, um, who obviously is a pretty good goalie. But, you know, he's getting up in age, and maybe they feel that they need a a, a veteran backup, if you will. Um, Malcolm Subban had been the backup there. So that's the team that surprised me, Colorado, by not doing anything. Um, conversely, Vegas adding Leonard, and they also, of course, last week got defenseman Alec Martinez from the LA Kings so that was a pretty good ad for them so um, they're going to be a tough team I think right now in the Pacific that's the team that I would think would come out of the Pacific in the third round John Kelly with us from Fox Sports Midwest here on 101 ESPN one thing about Doug Armstrong I think we all can agree on reasonable people anyway he he knows (laughs) the pulse of his team very very well and that can be even doing something uh, against the grain like trading a Paul Stasny at the deadline because he he doesn't know that his team really has it in him to do what they need to do to go far, make the playoffs, and then go far. So he'll do some uh, counterintuitive things, but they turn out to be correct. And he, he seems to know, don't touch what's something that's working so well. He did that last year, and 
uh, other than adding Michael Delzato, the defenseman, they did the last year, and we all know what happened then, and he's doing it again this year. I think he trusts his coaches and he trusts his players. Well, if you look at the team, Bernie, you know, why wouldn't you trust them, number one? Um, they're in first place in the Western Conference. And um, Doug mentioned after he got Scandella, and there obviously was a big need um, to get a defenseman with the situ- situation with Bowmeister, is he was going to make a hockey trade if he made any trade at all uh, up to yesterday's deadline. But hockey trades are really tough to make if you're a cap team, which the Blues are. So that's number one. And, and number two, where would you add and what would you subtract to make a hockey trade? Uh, so again, you know, there were some really good players traded yesterday, but I don't think, you know, there were 32 trades, I believe, involving 55 players, which is a record number, but there weren't huge names. There were some names out there that didn't get moved. Um, because of that exact reason, Bernie, hockey trades are really hard to make, and Doug said he wasn't interested in a rental, hence there was no moving yesterday. And, you know, and Chris Kreider gets a, what, was it a six- or seven-year deal from the, to stay with the Rangers? So that took him off the market. So that was right. a Right, he was deal. the biggest fish out there, and, and he was off the market. So, yeah, exactly. John Kelly with us. Uh, let's talk about Marco Scandella. I was looking at the numbers this morning, and, you know, it's only three games, but he's had about a, almost 11 minutes in penalty kill time, which is most among defensemen, and only Steen, a few seconds, has more. And uh, I'm just, I think we were all just really impressed by how well he's fit right away. Well, he's the perfect kind of player to fit in with Pareko because Jay Bomeister um, was and is a defending type defenseman, a good skater, and that's what Scandella is. Um, he's obviously not as big as Jay, but he defends really well. And the thing that's impressed me, uh, Bernie, a couple of things. Number one, he's aggressive all over the ice. You know, whether it's in the neutral zone, stepping up, or in the offensive zone, keeping the blue line, keeping the puck in the zone. And number two, in the defensive zone, he's very aggressive. If, if a player's in a corner and it's his man, he goes after him, he closes the gap, and he, and he makes a play on that player. So he, he's a very aggressive guy. You know, not that he's a fighter. That's not what I mean, of course. Um, but he's fit in perfectly with Pareko. Um, and you want Colton to be more offensive, and he has been the last three weeks, as we know. So let's get Andela be the guy that stays back and, and you know, let Pareko do his thing, and he's been marvelous. So it's, it's just been a perfect fit. It was a great pickup by Doug Armstrong, and like you, I've been very impressed with Marco in the first three games. And he's, it seems like his personality blends in very well, too, and I think that's important. That's one of the things Army cited last year when he pretty much stood pat, that the chemistry of the team. How, much, how important is that um, – John, you're you're around all this all. For, you've been around this for decades, actually, and you kind of know about team <laughs> chemistry. Uh, you know how important is that? Well, you know, I've, I've I've been around teams, Bernie, that have had really good teams and have had no success. And you know, conversely, last year's team that won the cup. You know, you could argue that Blues teams in the past perhaps had as much talent or more talent, but they didn't win. That team last year was very close. And again, they've only made a couple of changes, so they're extremely close. And you're right. I talked to Marco the day after he got to town, and you know you couldn't take the smile off his face. He seems to be genuinely really happy to be here, not just because he went from a team that was losing and missing the playoffs to a, to a team that obviously hopes to win the Cup, but he, he's just a positive guy, and you can tell that. And he also has a history with some of the Blues players um, from the World Junior Championships, 
He played with Ryan O'Reilly in Buffalo, so he didn't come into an unfamiliar locker room. But uh, he, he has been really, uh, really good on the ice, and you can just tell his, his personality just fits in very well with this group. Well, it'll, it'll be good to see the Blues and the Blackhawks uh, collide after a long wait. <laughs> it'll be good to see. And I, I think some a lot of the pundits around the league were surprised that maybe the Blackhawks didn't do more in terms of offloading some people to pick up draft picks or a prospect or two. But uh, it's, it's always a great rivalry. I mean, no matter where the teams are in the standings, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, the last time Chicago was here, Bernie, uh, the Hawks were up 3 nothing. remember that game, and the Blues came back and won in regulation. So uh, that was a very exciting game. And, and the one thing about the Hawks, Bernie, is they can score goals. Um, the, you know, defensively, obviously, they're, they're not up to, to where they were a few years ago, but they're a, they're a pretty good offensive team. I'm, I'm expecting a good game tonight. John, enjoy your night off. I know you'll be probably watching uh, the game. Um, I but, would think so. <laughs> yeah, put your feet up, maybe have a cold one. So enjoy your evening. Okay, Bernie, thanks for having me. Uh, that's our friend, uh, John Kelly. This is the Daily Blues Podcast. All of the 101 ESPN Blues content in podcast form. With Alex Ferrario and Michelle Smallman, I'm Anthony Salter. Let's head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. We're joined by Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues Insider with The Athletic. JR, how you doing today? Good afternoon, three revs. <laughs> uh, JR, I'm sure you're not surprised that the Cardinals didn't make any moves. Cardinals. The Blues didn't make any moves. Wait, it, the Cardinals don't make any moves. That's not surprising either. No. Yeah. The, uh, the the Blues didn't the make. The Blues took the Cardinals' approach. Exactly. They didn't make any moves. Yeah, outside of Marco Scandella, they didn't, they didn't make any moves. Were they, From what you know, were they close to, to adding anybody else? That's okay, Anthony. I remember when I filled in one time with you and we had an NFL coach on the line and I asked him about the Blues and the moves they were going to make. So, uh, <laughs> I'm sure that went over well. <laughs> I've been there. No, Doug Armstrong uh, said uh, this morning that uh, unless something came across their desk that really struck their fancy, uh, they just weren't going to be able to do anything because of that cap situation and their confidence that Vladimir Tarasenko is going to come back. And you know, while Doug said that uh, he'll be probably reevaluated after they come back from that trip to uh, the East Coast out to play the Rangers and the Devils, uh, you're looking at mid-March. So, you know, it, it might not happen exactly then, but it does appear that Tarasenko could get as many as 10 games, uh, regular season games, before the playoffs start. Uh, they're pretty confident that he's going to come back. So unless it was going to be a hockey deal, which like Doug uh, said, you know, we all know, Hockey trades are tough to make this time of year, and, and by that you mean dollar in, dollar out, uh, not necessarily a rental situation. The Blues likely weren't going to do anything, and that's exactly what happened. Before I ask you my question, JR, i got to tell you, all three Ravs, our eyes just about popped out of our head when we heard you say Tara Singles are looking at 10 games before the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, possibility, possibility. You see what's left on the schedule. You know, the end of the regular season is uh, early uh, April. And, and Doug said today, somebody asked him what was the ideal situation for Tarasenko three or four games, and he said, no, I'd like to see him play more than that. So uh, I have to believe that when you let a trade deadline pass without adding, and this is the main reason because you're going to bring him back, you're not talking about bringing him back just for one or two games or you think he might be ready by late March. i got to believe the fact that they think he's going to be ready a lot sooner than that is why they're so confident. JR, I want to ask you about Marco Scandella. We've been talking about how it feels like he's been on this Blues team since the start of the season and how cohesive he's been with the team. But take us in the locker room. What is it that has allowed him to jump right in and seemingly be at home with the Blues? Is it his personality? Is it the way that the other members of the team welcomed him in? Is it just his style of play? What's been working with him? 
I think a number of things. Uh, I'll start with this. Uh, he was really good in the Western Conference when he played with Minnesota. Doug Armstrong said it today. Alex was down there uh, that he said he spoke with Marco, and Marco kind of uh, relayed to him that it was tough playing out east when you're you're with Buffalo and you're with Montreal, two organizations that you know aren't very good teams right now, and. You know, it's not so much that you can't go out and play well yourself, but, uh, you know, the teams have to be good. The system has to be good. And, and we've seen situations there where, especially in Buffalo, they've gone through a couple coaches. So he comes here. He's familiar with the Western Conference. He knows the Blues style. He knows what they need. And then you put him in a pair with Colton Pareko. And, oh, by the way, it comes at a time when the Blues are being preached to by Craig Bruby and the coaching staff to start playing better defense. So it all just kind of came together. And so I think he's fit in really well. And I don't know all the personal relationships, Michelle, but he said he was very familiar with a number of the Blues players uh, in the locker room. So that certainly helps, too. So it's just the, the perfect storm uh, with him coming in and getting uh, you know familiar with the team and, and playing well. JR, back to the, uh, the Tarasenko. And you asked this question to Doug, you know, about possibly returning in the season and making sure that it's, you know, not too soon because this guy is the future of this franchise and you don't want a shoulder that has been injured two separate times to get any worse but it seems like Doug Armstrong's pretty positive that when he returns it's not going to be before he's supposed to be yeah and Alex you know this that uh, every time we talk to coaches and general managers about injured players and when they return you always hear the phrase hey when they're cleared they're cleared but I have to believe and that's why I asked the, the question to Doug Armstrong today that a second-year guy coming back from maybe his first injury, uh, maybe a wrist or something like that, has to be viewed differently than a face of the franchise like Vladimir Tarasenko coming back from his second shoulder surgery with his future on the line. I mean, I just don't think that, let's just say, a game uh, mid-March against uh, an Eastern Conference opponent that's not in the playoffs, uh, you bring him back just to get him back if you you're not confident that he's ready. And and so Doug Armstrong, and, and I understand what he's saying, uh, he said that they are going to be cautious. They are going to wait until he's 100%. But obviously they have a ton of confidence in the medical team and, and athletic trainer Ray Borelli uh, that they're not going to put him in there too soon. So uh, I think this is a situation where you will see them be more cautious than your ordinary injury and other player. Uh, but I think at the same point, uh, when you do see number 91 on the ice, uh, you should feel pretty good that he's cleared all the hurdles and gotten all the uh, the clearance that he's needed. Jeremy Rutherford is our guest here on 101 ESPN, Blues Insider with The Athletic. JR, we've talked about the deadline. We've talked about Tarasenko. What about Jordan Cairo? Does not adding a top six forward increase the likelihood that Jordan Cairo will see more ice time and and potentially have an opportunity to uh, jumpstart that development that we saw before he started to get healthy scratched? You're asking about Jordan Kakaru. Exactly. Well done, Jr. Bonus uh, points on go. that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think so. Uh, and Doug talked about him uh, today. Uh, he's still growing, and I think even though we've seen a much, much, much better player the past couple weeks, I think it dates back to to when uh, Craig Bruby said that this is the NHL, and he's got to learn that. I think it kind of opened uh, Jordan's eyes. He's played really well, but like Doug said today. Uh, you're looking at a player who one night it's six minutes, one night it's nine, one minute. The other day he played uh, 12, I believe. Uh, so it's a situation where he's still growing. So when Tarasenko comes back, does that mean the recent play of Cairo it keeps him in the lineup? It doesn't mean that. It really doesn't. Like when you get in the playoffs, you're going to need those third and fourth lines to have some uh, identity. So Cairo is going to have to continue to prove himself, I think, to stay in the lineup. I think the, the player that we're talking about, 
that really fits this conversation is Zach Sanford because even though he's played well, he could be the guy who pushes down the lineup when Tarasenko jumps back into that top six. But I think Sanford's played well enough that uh, he stays in the lineup, whether it be that third line. So, yeah, there could be a battle between a guy like Sanford and a Cairo uh, to stay in that lineup. Hey, JR, uh, you joined me on Sunday night for uh, intermission to announce the news, but we didn't get the chance to talk about this yesterday on Stalter and Rivers. But just give our listeners an idea of the, the big announcement that took place Sunday of the Winter Classic, Blues playing in it, being out in Minnesota, and kind of how this all came about. Yeah, it's really interesting because, uh, you know, the Blues, Blackhawks, that was obvious. If you're going to have a game at Bush Stadium, you got to have the Blackhawks. Uh, with Minnesota, they don't have a true rival. You know, they came in, what, late 90s, the Wild did. Uh, but Winnipeg is pretty close. And so I think if you listen to Wild fans, they would have preferred uh, Winnipeg going back uh, all the way to January 1st when they found out that they were going to host the game as their opponent. But you know, this is up to the NHL and the NBC, and they do the research. And I spoke to both the league and NBC, and all the research indicated that the Blues were the best opponent for this game. You know, they look at passion for the team. Obviously, right now, uh, the passion here in the city is at an all-time high. They look at how many fans do they expect to travel and make the 600 mile trip to uh, Minneapolis and uh, you know they can fill eight or nine thousand ticket requests uh, for Blues fans they can easily do that and then look at TV a lot of people are going to be back here in St. Louis watching the game and the ratings here in St. Louis for NHL events whether it be an outdoor game or all-star game or what have you have been through the roof you know uh, historically so they looked at all those things and they they figured that St. Louis uh, presented the best opponent and they chose the Blues and now the Blues are going back to the Winter Classic. Jer, great stuff. Love having, love having you on. We'll talk to you again next Tuesday. All right. Thanks, Ravs. This is the Daily Blues Podcast. All of the 101 ESPN Blues content in podcast form. On your home of the Blues 101 ESPN and the Blues GM joins us now via the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN, a busy media day, at least with me and Doug Armstrong. Army, great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. How's it going? Very good. Thanks for having me on. Well, Army, we know that uh, every single year a trade deadline has uh, its own identity. Your your team can be in a different place. Uh, you're, you're thinking about adding pieces, uh, moving pieces away, standing pat. Uh, last year did a little of, of the standing pad overall, worked out quite well. Uh, this year you add Marco Scandella, who's been a great addition, by the way. Uh, but at the deadline, uh, not much doing. How much uh, of how much do you take year to year when you look at a trade deadline? Do you look at the fact that last year, hey, you were able to stay pat with this team and they came together like they did? Does that affect how you looked at this year at all? Uh, not really. I, I look at every year uh, basically on its own uh a uh, number of years where you you've gone and you've used your assets to bring a player in you thought your team was was strong and you didn't win a championship it doesn't preclude you if your players give you that same information the next year and there's a player that you think uh, improves your chances of doing it uh last year was a you know a a strange year to say the least from where we were in January to where we were at the trade deadline uh, and I felt that 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 group was pushing forward I, I would say this year was a, a lot of it was uh uh, salary cap related uh, we've been in long-term injury so when you're in long-term injury uh, you're not allowed to gain any space as the year goes on uh, you know if you start with a, a million dollars of cap space and that grows every day you keep that cap space during the regular season we were never able to do that just because of the injuries that we sustained in being in long term so we didn't have a lot of uh, uh, cap relief uh, 
or, or cap money to spend. So what we would have had to do to make changes yesterday would have been dollar in, dollar out. And uh, so if you want to improve your team, usually today's NHL, the players that, that turn the needle are the five, six, seven million dollar players. And to do that, you have to then you have to lose five, six, seven million dollars of contract. So there wasn't a lot uh, wasn't a lot there for us really yesterday. Knowing you didn't have that flexibility, had you not known or felt that that Vladimir Tarasenko was going to be back here in a, in a matter of of just a few weeks, do you think you something different might have happened before the deadline this week? Yeah, for sure. I think that uh, if we had known that uh, there was no chance uh, that that Vladimir was going to come back and and be ready. Um, in, until the middle or the end of April, uh, that would have given us seven point five million dollars more money to to go out and see what was available. But our information is he's going to be uh, playing sooner rather than later. Well, hopefully within a few weeks. And um, there was no player that that I could see that made putting Vladdy on the shelf for an extended an extra two or three weeks was worthwhile. Uh, bringing in when you have Vladdy right there. So with that, uh, knowing that he's going to be back here in a few weeks, what is your reasonable expectation for him once he's ready to get back in and play? Well, I think it's, it's uh, you know, his, his training is going to be good, but there's no, there's no, you can't replicate a game situation. You can't replicate guys that uh, when, when he gets checked in practice, he's, it's friendly fire. When he gets checked in a game, it's not friendly fire. So, it's going to take a little bit of time. I think it's our, our team has evolved since the last time you played too. We have we have different players that have have moved into different areas. He has to find his way back into our group. So that's why I'm hoping he gets 10, 12 games where he can get back in here and uh, and get comfortable with you know the new reality of who we are and how we play. It's not a, a lot different, but but it, it is different in, in some fashions and. Uh, so I'm hoping he gets a number of games so he can get his timing back on on the things that he does control, his release and things like that, but also getting comfortable with uh, with the way that the team plays. Doug Armstrong with us in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. And, Army, we talk so much about top six forwards. And as I look at the guys that got traded in the last couple of days before the deadline, there may have been one that I, I look at and say, okay, he would fit into the Blues' top six. The guys that were moved, uh, I don't know that you would have been able to uh, – uh, this is just from the people that were not necessarily who you were talking about, but the guys that did get moved, there wasn't a lot out there that would improve your current top six. Yeah, I, I would say there was a few players that that we would deem as, as number seven forwards, and they're very important. They're the guys that if you sustain an injury can slide into your group of six uh, and, and be competent there. Uh, but you're right, there wasn't that marquee uh, player that moved at this deadline that's a legitimate uh you know, as you say, top six, top three player. Uh, it was more more that seventh forward, which are very, very uh, uh, important to a team because you do have injuries and you, you need players that you know can go play with other skilled players. But I, I would agree with you on that assessment. Army, I wanted to go back to the trade that you did make of Marco Scandella bringing him in. And obviously the, the Jay Bowmeister situation, uh, you know, that, that – uh, gives reason you, you have to do you have to bring somebody in and not that he's going to be able to fill the void that jay bowmeister uh fills specifically w- within the locker room but man he he has looked so comfortable on the ice with this team uh d- did you expect him to have as big of an impact as he has so quickly well we thought uh that he could come in and do what he's doing with us we thought there was a natural player to play with in Branko. 
Uh, Bo Meester and Pranko had become our, our number one shutdown pair, uh, freeing up Petro to get more offensive opportunities to play in, in, in a different fashion. Uh, and that's what Marco can do. He's got a long stick like Bo. He can kill plays down low. In today's NHL, if you can't kill a cycle, you're defending far too long. And so uh, we felt he was going to be a good uh, a good fit for, for our our needs now how quickly does does he get comfortable uh, his personality is one and i didn't know marco at all before we traded for him i i'd obviously done our due diligence but uh, i i was surprised at how outgoing he is and how quickly he assimilated to our team and his his voice the coaches were telling me on the bench is very positive he's not he's not taking a back seat uh in our group in the sense uh, he's comfortable who he is and and He's a talkative guy that uh, is a very good teammate, and, and we've seen that quickly. So I'm very happy. A lot of credit goes to our, our pro scouting staff, Robbie DeMaio, who lives in Toronto, who saw him play quite a bit in, in Buffalo and Montreal. And then Mike Van Ryan coached him uh, back in the Minnesota Minnesota organization years ago, and we've played against him too. So when you when you see someone uh, like we've seen him year in, year out for, uh, before he got uh, dealt to Buffalo, we, we were very comfortable that – we thought this would be a strong fit for him. How is a guy able to do that when you bring him in right away? Because we, you know, there was, uh, you know, at least early on in the season, uh, there were people close to the team that felt like maybe Justin Falk was still going through that, where he was trying to get assimilated with what was going on and really being the only real true new member to the organization that it was that there was a learning process for him. So how is somebody like Scandella able to just step right in and do what he's doing? Well, I would say because it was a defined role there that uh, he was coming in and we needed a left shot guy to play with Pranko that could that was comfortable doing those that, that job responsibility of playing against top players. I think when we brought Falk in, there's a uh, the difference was we had we had two very good right shot players in Petrangelo and Pranko. Uh, we were trying to uh, bring in a, a, a good talented player and then find a way to massage it to make it work, meaning one guy goes to the left that has to play out of his natural position, whether it was Colton, whether it was Petro, whether it was Falk. Uh, so the, in one situation, you're bringing a player for a role, and another one you're bringing a, a, a strong player and trying to assimilate him into something that, that's, that's not really right there. Uh, so uh, I think Falk's done a much better job. I also think, too, uh, the reality is when you come in and, and you sign a new contract. There's expectations from uh, from yourself to to want to earn that, and uh, uh, we're happy with Justin. I, I think we've seen some really good play in him, and we've seen uh, some some nights where the, the comfort level is not right there. But I think he's getting stronger, more comfortable uh, in, in our organization. So I think it's just really what the expectations and and the natural fit was right there for Scandella to succeed very quickly. Army, a lot of people have jumped on the hockey bandwagon, which is wonderful with the Blues winning the Stanley Cup last year. And they haven't been around the tough times that a team has to endure every single season. Every single team has to endure some tough times. That being said, what were you thinking during the five-game losing streak and that stretch of allowing three or more goals in 11 consecutive games? And then what have you thought of these last four? Well, I would say when we were we were playing well and not getting the results that w- that were necessary. Uh, uh, and you're right, you're going to go through stretches. Uh, Dallas went through a stretch uh, from October to November, uh, and then all of a sudden they played very strong hockey and caught up with us. And uh, 
you know, we went through our stretch in February, uh, but I thought we were playing good hockey, and then I thought we started to press offensively, uh, feeling we needed to score more goals. And the problem when you when you're pushing to score more, you're giving up more more on man rushes, and then. Uh, giving the other team great chances to score. I would say the last four games we've we've been able to get back to our comfort level of uh, being patient in a game, understanding that uh, we we have to be the team that's most comfortable playing a one goal game with five or six minutes left in the, in the game. If we're not comfortable doing that, then we're not going to have success. And so I thought for a while there we, we were trying to we were trying to push teams out quicker because we weren't comfortable that we could we could play the way we want to play. I think right now we're back into to that comfort level. And I also think that for whatever reason guys they they call that you know that midseason around the All-Star game it it you get you come into the year with passion and then it becomes a job for a little while and now the the lights at the end of the tunnel the playoffs are around the corner and everyone just amps back up and uh, we fell victim to it, and I'm glad we're out of it. So with uh, 19 games left, Army, in the regular season, <clears> is there <throat> anything left from this club? What, what do you want to see down the stretch? Well, obviously, getting Vladdy back, we want to assimilate him in as quick as possible so there's that comfort level, uh, you know, back him and our group. But I think just, again, con- very strong, consistent play. We want to we want to limit our penalties. Uh, when you play in the, in the playoffs, every goal is, is magnified, so we don't want to... Uh, we, we want to keep our penalties low. We want to play very good, strong five-on-five hockey. We want to keep both ends of our special teams uh, well. And I think one of the things, too, is um, we want to make sure we maintain our, our work-to-rest ratio. Uh, we have a, we don't have a lot of games. We actually have a very good schedule coming up. The, the one out to Anaheim is a sort of a it, – it broke up a great schedule and made it a good schedule just having to fly out there for one game. But we have to make sure we get our rest and we're, we're prepared to play the games. Uh, I think there is a benefit to finishing uh, as high as possible in the regular season. We want to do that. So the way, the way this team is playing and the way they do rebound, which they have done and they've been doing it for over a calendar year, anytime they go through rough stretches or rough games, whatever it is, they, they tend to find a way to, to come back and get to their game. Why are they capable of doing it? Is it collection of guys? Is it coaching? What exactly is it that this team is able to do that and be resilient? I would say it's a combination of, of all of those things. Uh, a, we're a veteran team. We have strong veteran le- leadership, uh, both uh, uh, at the up front and on the back end. Uh, you know, they, they've you know, they burned their hands last year being too close to the fire and they don't want to do that again. And so we, we played strong hockey now, but we also know how to play winning hockey. Uh, but I, I would say it start it starts with O'Reilly, Shen, Schwartz, uh, Prawn up front, uh, Bozak and Steen, you know, uh, have, have taken different roles with us. But again, those are strong voices in the locker room. And on the back end, uh, Bo was in that, that group of guys we relied on. He doesn't, speak often but when he speaks people listen but we also have a uh, uh, Pranko and Petrangelo that are comfortable talking there too so I think it's just a, a combination of strong coaches with strong wills forcing what uh, they believe is necessary to to win and, and players willing to to push and hold each other accountable to do that. Army you're always great thanks so much for the time we appreciate it go get them tonight and we'll see you over there. Awesome thanks guys for having me on. See you later. That is Blues Poho and General Manager Doug Armstrong. This has been the Daily Blues Podcast. Check back tomorrow for more Blues coverage right here on 101ESPN.com.